Good evening, this is Aliska for Salt and Light. Tonight we are dealing with the greatest threat to life in the world today, and Dr. Hammond is going to share with us. Dr. Hammond, what is the greatest threat to life in the world today? Interestingly, we've just had statistics out from the Worldometer, which worldometers.info database, they compile global statistics, and the leading cause of death by far in 2021 was abortion. 42,640,000 babies were killed by abortion officially last year. 42 million deaths in one year, 2021. Now, by comparison, 12,9 million died from communicable diseases. Mm -hmm. And 8.2 million died from cancer. And 4.9 million died from smoking. And 2.4 million died from alcohol. And... 1,600,000 died from HIV AIDS and 1.3 million died from road accident fatalities. Over a million died from suicides, which is really mm. sad. And 393,000 are safe from malaria, which we know is underreported because we know that malaria kills millions in Africa, possibly 2 million just in Africa alone uh, each year. So I don't know where the, that stat was so underreported from, but intriguingly, According to the World Health Organization, deaths in 2021 from or with coronavirus, uh, most of it was with, uh, was three and a half million, they claimed, globally. Mm -hmm. So by far, abortion outweighs all these others. In fact, it's if you put all the deaths from crime and all the deaths from car accidents together, abortion mm -hmm. still eclipses it by far. And you could add warfare and everything else too. Yeah, that's shocking. And that's 42 million and that is lives that are created in the image of God that's being killed. What would you say to people who say that um, a fetus is just a lump of tissue and this is not, this is not a concern? It's not well, taking life. You might say that if you didn't know anything about the subject. But since the invention of ultrasound and anyone who's seen their baby through ultrasound in the womb isn't talking about a clump of tissues and a potential life they're talking about our baby and their child and there's no doubt about it and you can you can see the heart beat you can measure the heartbeat from three weeks they mm. can literally follow the heartbeat from three weeks and it's lifelong the brainwave from six weeks uh, at nine weeks even the fingerprints are formed and all the body organs everything is fully formed by 12 weeks all the baby needs from 12 weeks on is just nourishment to grow and, and survive because, uh, in fact, it's not a potential human being. So when most abortions are taking place, the baby is complete, formed, everything. And, of course, actually, biologically, life begins at conception. Yes. And at conception, everything is there determined. I mean, right down to eye color, hair color, ultimate height, and a whole lot of things is just really uh, predetermined in, in one's DNA. So for a person to speak about a blob of tissues, it's like, Charles Darwin speaking about the simple cell before they understood the complexities of DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is certainly um, very clear today that how wonderful it is that God already formed someone in the womb. And with the technology today, we can see that. So what are ways that we can go about um, convicting people, sharing with them that this is the truth? Um, how do we stop it? Well, every... Abortion stops a beating heart. I think that should immediately get people thinking. You know, in Texas just recently, they passed a law. It's called the heartbeat law that uh, you cannot abort any um, 
baby where a heartbeat can be detected, which is like all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the pro-abortionists are up in arms and hysterical and screaming and uh, mm-hmm. in a fit over this. But the fact is, what they've done, it's quite clever. They didn't say we've banned abortions, but mm-hmm. where a heartbeat can be detected. And of course, this mm-hmm. reminds one that every abortion stops a beating heart. And from three weeks after conception, there it is. The heartbeat is lifelong and it's unmistakable and it's measurable. And science begins with measurement, as Dr. Philip Stott kept mm-hmm. reminding us, that all science begins with measurement. So follow the science, trust the science. Well, if the absence of a heartbeat is an evidence or confirmation of death, then surely mm-hmm. the presence of a heartbeat should be a confirmation of life, you would think. And for many people, they say, well, it's not the heartbeat so much, it's a brainwave. Okay, well... Again, you could say if the absence of a brainwave mm-hmm. is an indication of death, then surely the presence of brainwaves is confirmation of life. Yeah. Well, that's a, such a good argument where the heartbeat is not present. There's no life. Where it is, there is life. And so as we go out and we share this with people, we do get some hostility. Um, we go and stand in front of abortion clinics and there's some hostility. What are ways that we can deal with that? Well, definitely, as the Bible tells us, a soft answer turns away wrath, and we don't want to react in like manner. You know, we've got to return blessing for cursing, and when people curse us, you don't want to ever degenerate down to the level of people who are being enemies of life or enemies of the gospel. Uh, So we've got to be gracious, we've got to be merciful, we've got to uh, return good uh, for evil, and try and be objective. So when people are screaming, shouting, swearing, sad to say, mm. in many cases. What is, what's so important is that we bring the volume down, we bring the temperature down, and we respond very calmly, rationally, factually, objectively, with scripture, with science, with medical facts, and mm. try try and bring the argument to something more constructive. Because there's no benefit in a slangy match of, you know, did, did not, did too, and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, th- that kind of childish uh, flinging insults at the next side or, you know, you're a moron, you're a half-wit. Well, mm. what does that do? That, that's extremely unconstructive. So I know that some people under provocations uh, react badly. And I, I think the unplanned film also showed this very well, the true story of Abby Johnson, who was not just an abortion provider, but uh, effectively the director of a clinic, which was a very... Um, busy abortion clinic in Texas. And uh, she was a pro-abortionist for years. Mm-hmm. And outside the pro-lifers, some of them were very good witnesses and some were actually pretty bad. And some were quite insulting and unnecessarily abrasive in, in a way that, that wasn't constructive. And and I think you can learn from that too, that yes, while, while we know what is going on in an abortion clinic is absolutely hideous in the eyes of God and it's a violation of every decency and law. But how we deal with this is so important. We've, we've got to reflect the love of Christ and the light of truth in a balanced way. And this means that we oppose it, but we never degenerate down to the level of uh, the kind of vandals and uh, the people who mm. just um, flinging mud and insults at the people. What's that going to achieve? And the fact that Abby Johnson got won over, not only to the pro-life position, but to Christ, uh, is a tribute to the positive, gracious, uh, gospel-orientated ways of, of witnessing. And so, and we've seen that too. We, mm. we know people who were pro-abortion and who were going to abort their babies and who did not mm. because of gracious sidewalk counseling and because of mm. a consistent Christian witness. So we, we must not underestimate the power of truth. It's, mm. it's not up to me uh, 
I, I don't have to uh, physically intervene and start getting very aggressive because there are laws and we want to respect the laws and we don't want to turn the people doing abortions into the victims yeah. and the people who are trying to stand for life as the villains, which mm-hmm. is the way much media would like to portray it. Mm-hmm. We are trying to stand for life. We're trying to stand for truth. We're trying to stand for informed consent even, which in many cases, as has been well documented, what is called choice in many cases isn't choice. It's unchoice mm-hmm. because we've seen it that many of the girls who are going into an abortion don't want to. Yeah. They've been coerced by a father, an uncle, a mother, an aunt, boyfriend, husband, and many times they've been bullied and pushed and they, and they, they wouldn't want to. And in other cases, they've been abandoned. And if, mm-hmm. if the uh, father of the baby was willing to do his part, then they wouldn't be going for the abortion. So many times it's mm-hmm. the unchoice. It's not what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, you know, for people to say, oh, well, you know, respect their choice. Well, what choice is there? Many mm-hmm. have, have been bullied into this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's so important that we are standing there expressing love of God and showing adoption is the loving option. Mm-hmm. And there are people who care and the mm-hmm. people who will help you. And there are unwed mothers' homes. There are crisis pregnancy centers. And there are people who are willing to foster mm-hmm. and adopt. And and so when we start offering solutions, mm-hmm. options, yeah. uh, uh, this this can make a huge difference. And many people are just blinded by fear and panic and uh, they're being stampeded into this way. So when we understand some of the complexity, we can have a little bit more compassion uh, for mm. people who in uh, uh, almost a moment of insanity or, or under tremendous pressure are going for something that they're going to regret for the rest of their life. Mm. And so just having that kind of insight may help one to be a little bit more gracious in our witness. Yeah, to go and be the hands and feet of Christ and not going there to personally judge people, even though we know what is happening is wrong, but rather offer solutions, as you say. Um, What are some experience you've had, either with sidewalk counseling or with speaking with abortionists? Could you share some of that? Well, yes. In fact, uh, I've had some intriguing interactions. So uh, one time we were in Pinelands and uh, it was... um, Human Rights Day, and we were just reading a leaflet, You Can Stop Abortions in Pines. This is organized uh, for Human Rights Day by Africa Christian Action. So we had the traffic lights, and uh, at a certain point, we we walked down to the actual to the home of this abortionist. She's a fairly well-known abortionist in uh, this suburb in mm-hmm. Cape Town. And uh, next thing I knew, uh, this Volvo pulled up next to me, and um, this uh, doctor demanded, What are you doing outside of my home? Are you the people who've been distributing these leaflets? And she ways you can stop abortions and pineless leaflets. Well, I want you to stop. You're, you're embarrassing me in my neighborhood. I don't want my neighbors to know what I do. I mean, this is how she started the conversation. So yeah. I said, if what you're doing is right, then why would you be embarrassed about your neighbors knowing about your occupation? And she said, because it's controversial. Uh, not everyone supports abortion. You're embarrassing me. So I said, you're killing babies. Mm. And she said, no, I don't kill babies. The mothers do. I mean, she smiles. I said, well, the mothers may pay you to kill their babies, but you're the one who's actually doing the procedure. She says, but it's their choice. They signed the life of their baby away. I'm just providing a service. I mean, that's how she responded. So I said, you mean like a hitman who takes money to kill Mm. people? Mm. So. I'm I'm still trying to smile and be restrained and objective. I, I didn't expect this encounter. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, quite as far as she says, you could describe it like that. And she smiled oh and said, my. I'm providing a service, but it's a mother's choice. Okay. So she didn't mind being compared to the hitman. It's almost like she's a bit um, 
proud, proud of this. Sure. And I said, you're concerned about what your neighbors think today. You should be more concerned about what Almighty God will say to you on the day of judgment. You do believe in God, don't you? And for a moment, she suddenly sobered. And she looked very somber, suddenly said, yes, I believe in God. And yeah. she said, then she said, but um, I'm not a Christian. So she believes in God, but she's not a Christian. Mm. I said, well, you do know that you have an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment. One day you will have to stand before Almighty God and you will have to give an account of everything you have done. And she said, maybe. And then she sort of shrugged and said, but you're speaking to the wrong person. You need to be involved in sex education in schools. I have to do abortions for 12-year-olds. You won't believe how many young girls come to me for help. It's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. There's a tremendous demand for what I'm willing to do, and very few are willing to do it. So I said, well, of course, we do go to schools, and we do support groups like True Love Waits, and there are different groups that are involved in vigorous sex education in schools. Mm -hmm. And we do believe in education, and that's our highest priority, in fact, education. And I said, I've worked in a fire brigade, and I've been in the army, and uh, those are often dirty jobs. But firemen and soldiers can say that they're saving lives. Mm. Abortionists can't say that. You're not saving lives. You're actually ending lives. And mm. the fact still remains that life begins at conception. Abortion is murder. And she sort of smirked and said, that's your opinion. I said, well, actually, no, it's actually a scientific fact. Surely you know as a doctor that life begins at conception. That's not the point, she says. Well, I said, yes, that's exactly the point. Make no mistake, the day will come when future generations will look back on abortion in our time the same way we now look back at the slave trade and the Rwandan Holocaust. She said, well, maybe, but we won't be around then, so it won't matter to us. Oh. I said, do you not believe in the immortality of the soul? It will most certainly matter to us and to all of us in eternity. There is a God in heaven. There is a day of judgment. Heaven and hell are very real, and it will most certainly affect you after you've died and throughout all of eternity. And, you know, this whole conversation was very remarkable. It just took place in a few minutes, but it's remarkable that this abortionist spoke so freely about the mother and the baby. Mm. Now, normally abortionists try to dehumanize their victims, and they speak about the patient and the product of conception and the fetus and performing a TOP, short for termination of pregnancy. And uh, this abortionist, though, had no problem admitting that these were mothers. I mean, there are these youngsters saying, I'm not ready to be a mother. You guys remind them, you are a mother. Yeah, and you're already... I, I don't want to bring this child to the world. Well, a child's already in the world. Your womb is in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, your only choice is do you want to be the mother of a dead baby or of a live baby? Uh, you don't have a choice of being a mother. You are a mother. Mm -hmm. You don't have a choice of whether this baby is being brought in the world. It is already in the world. Mm -hmm. Your question is whether you're going to choose life or death. And uh, so, But at no time did she question the facts that life begins at, at conception, that abortion is the killing of an innocent baby, but her justification was it is legal, I'm doing what the mothers, actually, in many cases, um, uh, the fathers, husbands, and uncles, yeah. and others are doing too, brothers, even boyfriends. Uh, and by the way, not just asking her to do, but paying her to do. Mm. But that was her argument. And it made me think, though, that you can't just single out the abortionists for this crime of abortion. The politicians who've legalized the killing of children in the womb, the voters who vote for the pro-abortion parties that enable abortion industry to continue, they are 
truly accessories to murder. So we, we do need to recognise this is not just a crime that the abortionists involved in. There's a large part of society that are accessories to this murder. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting how she was accepting the facts as the truth and even being somewhat convicted, it sounded like. But I think what maybe might be missing is her understanding of the sanctity of life. And as you said, that it is internal judgment that will come one day. Um, how do we promote and get people to think about the sanctity of life, that man is created in the image of God, there's a value to life? How do we bring that across? Just, you know, starting in Genesis, God is the creator. And uh, life is valuable. And in fact, right in Genesis, murder is to be severely punished. Uh, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. And this, this was set out mm. even uh, after the flood, uh, one of the first laws given to Noah and his descendants, that whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. And so the sanctity of life is written right in there, that capital punishment. It's like mm. nobody wants to amputate a gangrenous limb, but uh, to save the whole body, that sometimes has to be necessary. And so uh, the Bible is very clear that we need to protect and care for the innocent. Rescue those being led away to death. Mm. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. Mm. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. And also we're told in Numbers 35 verse 33, bloodshed pollutes the land. And atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. So a land comes under a curse when there's innocent bloodshed. And just think how many it's no longer hundreds of thousands of babies who've been killed by abortion. As of this 1st of February, 19, well, since 1997 till now, 25 years later, this 2022 is the 25th anniversary of the legalization of abortion in South Africa. Do you know how many babies have been killed in abor by abortion in the last 25 years? Legally, officially, mostly with taxpayers' money, 2 million babies just in South Africa. You. And that's with taxpayers' money. The vast amount with taxpayers' money. It's shocking, which makes all of us who taxpayers involuntarily accessories to murder too. And that showed the importance of the government that you support and the voting. How, how can the way we vote and the way we um, think and pray for our government influence that? Well, that's why Africa Christian Action, who's, Africa Christian Action has been going for over 30 years already. Uh, we started in February in 1991 and we've been since 1992 having biblical issues voters guides and one can visit the savotersguide.org website and we have where all the parties stand on the right to life of pre-born babies and other moral pro-family type issues and we should never waste our votes on a pro-abortion party and it would horrify and shock many people to see how many major parties mm. including probably ones that they support mm are actually pro-abortion and have voted for abortion and the mm. funding of it. And so it's it's quite scandalous. Uh, the law in South Africa is one of the most liberal abortion laws in the world. And do you know, South Africa is one of only two countries in the entire continent of Africa that legalize abortion. Throughout Africa, abortion is a crime, except Tunisia and South Africa. We're only two, one of two countries in the whole continent of Africa that legalize the killing of babies. That is interesting. Why would South Africa specifically be... Allowing abortion. Well, it's not African, it's not Christian, it's not normal, it's not healthy, but because South Africa is something of an experiment in the New World Order with a very recent constitution that only was brought about in about 1996, and for that reason, uh, it looks like people from the United Nations, World Health Organization, others, very much injected 
agendas in it which are foreign to South Africa. A lot of what is written in our constitution didn't come from the people in the streets. In fact, the submissions, when I'm asking for submissions for our constitution back in 95, 96 and the lead up to the new constitution, do you know that 98% of the people of South Africa wanted censorship against abortion, against pornography? More than that, just yeah. more like 98.9%. So the overwhelming majority of all submissions were just overwhelmingly against um, uh, pornography and wanted censorship against it. When it came to right to life, a vast majority, in the 80% of submissions were for the right to life of people and babies to be protected by law. Mm-hmm. And uh, similarly, you could look at the submissions of people wanting uh, homosexuality written into the Constitution, sexual orientation, all this. Very small, like in the two, three percent. And and so there wasn't the support for what came out. And it just showed they weren't listening to the people of South Africa. They weren't listening to submissions, whether written or verbal, given. They weren't listening to petitions or anything else being brought. They had an agenda. It was mm. plainly written in New York or somewhere else, but not in Pretoria. What we were presented as Southern Constitution, a lot of these things had already been formulated outside and, and in fact, enforced on us by you could say a new world order agenda. Wow. So our, even our constitution has been um, conformed to the world and the power of this world. So as we, as the Christians in South Africa, which are few, um, know about this going on, do you think we have the possibility of make a change? And if so, what should we do? Certainly we can make a change. And yes, we can win. I mean, just think of facts that Poland used to be a country where abortions took place. But after solidarity overthrew the communists there, we saw Poland enact the strongest pro-life legislation. And uh, there were only two cases, hard cases, that they would allow abortions in. And yet, since that legislation came in, they've never even needed to do any abortions for those cases. They found those hard cases were obviously exaggerated uh, Mm -hmm. because uh, even though they've got provision for abortion in two hard cases – it's it's not even happened in recent decades. So uh, mm-hmm. then you have cases like Zambia, where abortion was legalized under uh, the previous government, the socialist government of Kenneth Kaunda. But then when Zambia became officially a Christian country in 1991, uh, abortion was banned. And so you can see places where they have had abortion, where they've gotten rid of it. So this should give us a lot of hope. Also mm-hmm. bear in mind, when abortion was legalized in many countries, the medical technology was not as advanced and we didn't have ultrasound. We didn't know about yeah. the development and personhood of the preborn babies and, and development of life to the extent that we do now. So there's no longer any justification or excuse. Anybody who at one time thought, well, you know, they can't feel pain in the womb, which now we know is not true, mm-hmm. and uh, just watch the silent scream, for example. Uh, or people who say, well, it's not a baby, it's just a blob of tissues. Well, you can't say that anymore, mm-hmm. that uh, these things have been uh, proven now with ultrasound, there's no question. And mm-hmm. any parents who have gone for an ultrasound now know, and have probably even got pictures of the baby, and have seen the baby moving around and doing somersaults mm-hmm. and sucking their thumb and all that. They're not going to talk about a blob of tissues and a potential human being and a product of conception and TOP. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's just dehumanizing the targeted victim. So, mm-hmm. yes, I would say definitely we can uh, overturn this. In fact, I'd say it's inevitable. Just as slavery was ultimately defeated, uh, so we can see that this will be defeated. The, the powers of Logic and life and love are on our side. Scripture's on our side. Science's on our side. There is no way that anyone can justify the killing of an innocent preborn baby 
And therefore, we should not be discouraged and we should not stop and we should not allow ourselves to mm. be in any way discouraged. We should persevere because I think right now you can see in America, Roe v. Wade is being overturned even right now as we speak. And you can see states in America like Texas bring in effective laws to prevent abortion. And when it's taken to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court says this is a local state matter. It's not mm. for the federal government to interfere in these matters. Mm. And so I think all over the world you can see uh, the pro-life cause is on the ascent and it's, it's winning. Mm. Well, praise God for those success stories where it is um, abortion is being illegalized. And so for the average Christian in South Africa, maybe just a house mom or maybe just a school child who's really passionate about this, knowing that God created life, what can we do? We can pray. Um, how can we take action? Well, in South Africa, we have a movement Africa Christian Action started nearly 31 years ago, specifically to counteract the attempts to legalize abortion, pornography, and other anti-family uh, immoral uh, tendencies. And so Africa Christian Action has a 31-year track record. This February will be 31 years of making a stand for life, for faith, for the family, for the future, and uh, for our faith. And therefore, uh, we have Sancti Life Sunday planned on the last Sunday in January every year, and this year it falls on Sunday the 30th of January, mm -hmm. when we encourage churches to observe a Sanctity Life Sunday, when we encourage churches to be preaching on when life begins and what the Bible teaches about the right to life and our responsibility to love our pre-born neighbors, our unborn neighbors. And so we are providing uh, sermons, Bible studies, videos, audios, leaflets, tracts, materials that Anyone can use to educate the congregation and to mobilize the congregation to think of what the Bible says about life, when life begins, and what our responsibility is to our pre-born neighbor. And then on the 1st of February, the anniversary of the legalization of abortion in South Africa, which now happened a quarter of a century ago. 1st of February, in, which was a Tuesday this year, uh, 19, uh, in 1997 it was legalized. And so on the 1st of February this year, we will be marching to Parliament. This will be our March for Life. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, it'll be the 25th March for Life in Cape Town, March to Pond, which is normally in the form of a funeral procession. We walk through the centre of town. We go from Hanover Street or Kaiserkrach Street, uh, just near Cape Peninsula University of Technology, uh, past the castle, past the city hall, into Adelaide Street, Spin Street, Plain Street. We assemble outside the gates of Parliament, and then we have a prayer vigil, and it's a it's a focus on national repentance for the national sin of abortion. We lay wreaths. We have a we hire a hearse to lead this. We carry little coffins and little white crosses and flowers and banners and posters. So it's a very it's it's a witness. It's it's a dramatic demonstration of of the national sin of abortion. And there's a lot of literature, pro life literature, to read while we're doing this. So this stand for life, this march for life, uh, is one way that we can bring graphically to people of Cape Town and through pictures and social media throughout the country too, uh, mm -hmm. to this is a national sin and this must end. And also in the Bible we read that when innocent life is taken, uh, you should go to the gates of the city and make it clear that we had no hand in this. And when mm -hmm. we are not able to bring the guilty to justice, the least we can do is dissociate ourselves from it, mm. as, as we are told in the scripture, to go to the gates of the city and make clear we do not support this because silence is consent. And so if we do not make a stand against it, then it's almost as though we're giving the government permission to continue.
Yeah, so that is us taking the stand against this evil. Where are where can people go to find these resources and information about this? Visit events? christianaction.org.za. So it's www.christianaction.org.za. And you will find the event. You'll see articles. You'll see links to videos like March for Life and Stand for Life. And you'll see on social media, on Africa Christian Action Facebook page, we've got more details on this. So contact us, info at christianaction.org.za or visit www.christianaction.org.za. Find the Facebook page, Africa Christian Action, and see if you can join us on the 1st of February, marching to Parliament. Yeah, wonderful. And it is really, truly a great time to go to share with people. There's some con- confrontation going on. And it's a time to pray, as you said, to go to the gates to pray, to present a course. Um, I would like to close with a verse from Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And how precious are the works of God. How precious is every life. Um, yeah, I pray that you will all come together, um, take stand, take part in us standing against us, and if you can, come join us on March for Life. Have a good evening. God bless. Good night. <laughs>